Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. The time is three minutes past seven. Kaya FM 95.9, home of Afropolitan. Thank you to Ndate John, who is broadcasting all the way from New York, New York, one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, so you're listening to, to Sidebar Cindy with me, um, Dr. Cindy Siwe Fansale, on this wonderful day, Monday, the 27th of May, 2019. I hope you had a great weekend. Um, so today's show going to be very interesting. I've got three, four interesting guests and um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be getting into what we're discussing just now. But if you missed our previous shows, take a listen on kayafm.co.za, go to FM Rewind. And if you're not in Gauteng, you can tune in on the DSTV Audio Bouquet channel 861 or visit kayafm.co.za and listen to us live. Medical issues, sex and family, finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Okay, so this morning we had an interesting article that came out in one of our publications. And the headline read, okay, and I'm going to read the headline as it was written. The headline read, half a million adults in Johannesburg are HIV positive, new study, okay? And, um... You know, I saw the headline, I saw what was happening on social media, and I started getting lots of messages from people. So basically, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, um, the IHME, um, which is at the University of Washington, has been doing some research, and they came out with some stats. So one in five South African adults between the ages of 15 and 49 are living with HIV. Okay, so we, we, we know that, we knew that. The HIV prevalence um, is sitting at 17%, which is, which is very high, and they delved a bit deeper, and they went into some of the provinces. So we know that Umgungunlovu um, District Municipality in KZN has the highest prevalence of HIV, and KZN is the epicenter of the pandemic with 1.4 million people living with HIV um, in, in KZN. Then they broke it down, different provinces. As I said, Free State has got a prevalence of 21.3%, Mpumalanga 20.9%, Limpopo 13.2%, and the Northern Cape, a low of 11.5%. And so what we then decided that we'd have um, some, some guests in, you know, in studio and also telephonically. And specifically, we were going to speak to... Um, Tulam Kize, who is living with HIV, and um, he's married, and they're expecting a second baby anytime this week. We're going to speak to activist Yvette Raphael, who's also living with HIV, and she's very outspoken about about the changes that need to be made in our HIV program for things to change. And we'll also be chatting to Professor Francois Fenter, who works um, at, Witz, at, at the Wits um, University, and he's one of the leading voices of uh, you know around the HIV pandemic on the continent. So we'll be hearing from him. And what we what I want to get from Professor Francois Inter is just how we how the stats are are collated and how we come up with them. Because it's important for you guys to know how that happens. Utula and Yvette will be sharing sharing their lives and their activism around HIV. And of course we'll be taking your calls on 86 0009 We'll also be taking your SMS on 36959 and hashtag on, on, on social media is sidebar Cindy Kaya FM Talk. So Getting right into it. Welcome to the show, Tula, and I'm glad that you're here. Hello. <laughs> okay. That's that's how I greet everyone. Like even when I wake up in the morning, that's how I greet my wife. Hello. Yes, Marwan. 
So you have a twin? Yes, he's outside. Okay, then we'll chat to him just now. So I think for, yeah, just to give a bit of background on how you and your brother started working on, on Good Stories. And Good Stories is, is an, you know, it's a platform that wants to promote the good stories around HIV to show people that you can live with HIV and live a positive, happy life. Where did that, how did that come about, Tulam Kizi? Jeez, man. Um, so if you really look at what Good Stories is, um, it's everything that helped me to be okay with my status, um, for me to accept my status and deal with it and effectively live with it 10 years later. And we've now taken that um, and we've made it available for everyone else to consume and make sure that we, no one else needs to go through the journey that I went through for them to be where I am. It's readily available. And so that journey, um, yeah. you know, if you can talk, to, talk, talk us through that journey. And welcome, welcome to Goza, welcome to the show. Someone. So you, you go and test. Yes, ma'am. Okay, why had you gone to test? Oh, I was in a relationship, it was getting serious, so I tested. And um, my results were positive, hers were negative. Um, she continued to date me for two years. And um, life happens, we break up. And I think through all of that, I think the, the, the one thing that um, HIV really offers you an, an opportunity to do is to reflect on your life, where your life is going, where you are, how you can change the direction that your life is going. and. I really, I went through the process and I looked for people that have lived with HIV for a long time because, of course, initially I thought I was going to die like everyone else who finds out they're living with HIV. And the more that I found these people that were living with HIV and I interacted with them and I learned from their experiences, um, I fed off of their energy, I started believing that I could be like them. So my mind was renewed the more that I was exposed to the possibilities that existed with HIV. And in th so in terms of disclosure, I think that's the one topic that comes up all the time. Yeah. How easy was it for you to tell your, your twin, to tell your family, to tell your girlfriend, to tell your, 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 your current, your ex-girlfriend, to tell your current wife? How easy was it to tell him your status? Well, uh, ex-girlfriend at the time, well, didn't really have a strategy mm -hmm. because I walked out of the doctor's room and I was crying and she knew, okay, yeah. So then they, I, I don't even remember if we did that counseling thing. Um, but yeah, um, and then telling my mom was very easy because my mom was a nurse. Telling him, um, I don't remember how that conversation, I'm pointing at my twin brother, by the way. It was I, a phone call. It was a phone call? Yeah. Okay, it was a phone call. I don't remember how the conversation went, but for, I think for a, a year, the only people that knew was him and my girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And eventually started good stories about six months later. Then I had to now tell everyone why I've now started um, this good stories thing because people are like, okay, why? You know, and you've got to be honest about it because one of the things that we, we had a conversation about when we started Good Stories was we can't be um, preaching the idea that there's good stories out there when I'm not bold enough to share my good story. 
So, I didn't want him to share his story, though. I, well, obviously, I mean, because of the of the judgment yes. and the stigma that yes. comes with being diagnosed with HIV. Yeah. I thought his stigma was going to fall on me, too. As his twin. I was crying every night, like, I'll never find a wife now. <laughs> it's sad. It was very selfish. He continues to be selfish years later. Mm. But, yeah, it's fine. I mean, uh, it's happened now. We are here. We are here. And in terms of educating yourself um, uh, about about HIV, um, where, where where are most of your, your your learnings coming from? Is it the internet? Is it the books that you've read? Is it you know doctors? And I'm speaking to your to, to the brother that's that's HIV negative. What, what how are you learning and continually updating yourself around HIV? I must say my first learnings were mostly from him mm. uh, because it I guess it was a conversation where he would learn something new. Then he would come and tell me, this is what I found. And he would be so excited, but I'd roll my eyes, obviously. Uh, but uh, most of my learnings were from him. And then um, I then got to a point where when I sort of had to answer questions on my own and people mm. ask, I then would hit the internet. Uh, but I think there are some things you read and you're just like, I man, no, this doesn't make sense. Mm. Uh, I think I'm, 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 I'm an adult and I'm wise enough to be able to be like, no, okay, let me do more research on this because that sounds like it's too good to be true or whatever it is. So I, I guess I had a responsibility at some point uh, to factually know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, and, and I think that's the reality of, of the space that we find ourselves in because too many people speak without facts. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot like, of stuff out there. I mean, you can do yeah, anything yeah. And, and read up on anything. I think, look, the one, the one thing that came up um, recently, well, not so recently, but remember when the, the issue of the, the cure came up and they were talking about Gomorrah, that, that, that you know, yeah. and it, it went viral yes. and everyone was asking about that. I mean, we have a responsibility, even if there's something exciting on the horizon and there's a promise of something, we still have a responsibility to ensure that we package the, the, the article or the message in a way where that it's clear to even that we haven't yet found a cure. It's something that we're working on and, mm. and, and put the message out correctly. It, it, I'm not a journalist, but it, do we call it responsible journalism? No, that is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. responsible medical journalism. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and and also I think for a lot of people out there um, that read anything that's on Doctor Google or anything else, we read it and we take it at face value, and we don't really consider the facts um, or interrogate um, where it comes from or um, really read it with understanding, okay? Because I think um, there was another one that came out um, where um, this they were trying to treat cancer and, and, and by chance and then something happened, you know? And if you really look at it, okay, out of the billions and millions of people that are living with HIV out there, the outcome has only been... So only two people have been cured. Exactly. It's only been realized by two people mm. okay when are we going to get to a point where that realization is experienced by the millions and millions and millions of people it's not going to happen in the next five years right so for someone who and i'm and i'm speaking um to the people that are listening for someone who's listening to this and you are hoping for a cure the cure will come one day but I just don't think that it's going to come in the next five, maybe 10 years. What needs to happen is we need to appreciate the fact that HIV can effectively be managed today. Because if you keep hoping for a cure, you fail to appreciate how far we've come in the 
management of HIV today. The fact that U equals U and that's available today. Well, that's the reason how you are expecting your third child. Yes. Because U equals U is a concept that if you're on medication and, and the amount of HIV in your system is under control, you can have sex with your partner without a condom and conceive naturally and have, and have babies that are born HIV free. Yes. So... That's what U equals U has done for you and your family. Yes, and here it has. you are living a happy, normal, healthy life and you're procreating, you know, as as, as you wish. Of which the oh, factory yeah. Oh yeah, meet his <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I understand that couples and married people have children, but he touches his wife and she falls pregnant. I swear to God. When I get a girlfriend, he can't touch her. I'm just gonna be like, nope, don't even hug, nothing. Well, that's if she can tell the difference between the two of you. So if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Sidepod Cindy, and I'm sitting in studio with um, the Mkizi twins, Mutula um, um, and Untogozo, and we're speaking about HIV. We, we're specifically going to go into the stats once we get hold of um, Professor Franz Fenter, the stats that came out this morning around how one in five South African adults um, are living with HIV, aged between 15 and 49, and um, just to go deeper into what it means to have a, an HIV prevalence of 17%. The other thing that, um, that has come up and I think oh Yvette Raphael I mean we'll be chatting to her soon has has the the, the awareness has the messaging around HIV taken a back seat are we now very relaxed and not and not really speaking about it as much as we used to what are your thoughts around that and you can call us on 86 to join to the, join in the conversation what are your thoughts around that I think the conversation is happening um, uh, well, we are part of, of a, a campaign right now that uh, has the conversation with, with young people. I mean, we've been um, at schools, at schools um, with, with CCI and, and Brothers, Brothers for, Life for Life for the past two weeks. I mean, it's been a campaign that's been running for a year. I think the conversation is happening, and it's happening so well that people are at a point where they're not scared of HIV anymore. I think, no, I think we need to... There's a balance, okay? And, and I think there's pockets um, of, of our communities where the conversation is happening really well and there's pockets of our communities okay. where the conversation is not happening at all. Yes. So, so, so the question is, how do we reach the pockets where it's not happening? And, when I, when, and those pockets for me, right? Yeah. I'm, 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 I think I've, I've said this too many times. The blind spots for yeah. me yeah. are the people who only see HIV as a disease that affects Abantabamnyam, that affects black people because of what the media keeps on putting out to us, mm-hmm. right? So how do we reach those pockets? How do we, how do we let the, you know, the white housewife and Dane Finn know that, listen, for as long as you're, you're sexually active, um, you are at risk of HIV infection, right? How do we reach those, those, those blind-spotted people? I think we're speaking to them. Uh, what, what's happening is the message is getting to those guys. They are very much away, but... The, I guess access, access to medication, access to the kind of things that make living with HIV easy mm-hmm. uh, is available to those guys. So for them, it's just like when I get, if ever I get to it, I'll handle it. Yeah. I feel like that's the conversation that, that, that I think that's the mindset. And I'm saying this, I don't want to mention names, but it's a conversation I had with a good friend of mine. Yes. Um, uh, who lives uh, up here on, on, I mean, I call it drive. Yes. I mean, so this is someone who, I mean, is, is, is uh, she's got the money. She said, she literally said to me, I, I don't use protection anymore. Okay. I said, what, why? She's just like, but your brother, he, he's here. 
you, you guys have told me that he's not going to die. He's having kids. His life is good. So I don't see why I should limit my deprive, deprive myself. Okay, so what precautions is she taking around that? None. Okay, that is interesting. Yeah, right? Because she says, if, if I get it, I'm going to manage it. I'll manage it. She's like, you, she looked at me. I didn't know what to say. She's like, you, you're, you told me. Tula, he, there he is. I was, I was like, okay, we just, we need to have a conversation now. I, I mean, I just, I we was busy. A different conversation. Yeah, I feel like we, we need a different conversation now because we've been saying, guys, you're not going to die, whatever it is, manageable disease and whatever it is. You just calls like, you. Cool, we've heard you. Sharp. Uh, well, let's just say pockets of people have said we we've heard you. Mm. Yeah. So, but this is the pocket that Cindy's talking about. Okay. This, these are the the, the, the guys in Danefer, and these are the mm. guys with with access to things, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll I'll handle it. Okay. And and those can be um, from the 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 white woman in Danefer or the black middle class who says, well, now I have access to these, you know. So I can manage it, all right? But a different conversation um, is needs to be had with um, the people in Soweto, the people in Alex, the people in Bochum, Kopolokwane. You know, it, it, it's a different conversation. And I, and I feel like um, what we do sometimes is that we have a blanket approach to everyone. We send out one messaging and we hope it's going to um, resonate with everyone who hears it and that's not the case yeah. you know KFM 95.9 home of the Afropolitan we are joined now by Professor Francois Fenter from um, WRHI Prof Fenter thank you so much for holding and welcome to Sidebar Cindy yes, hi I'm here okay good evening and welcome to Sidebar Cindy hi everyone Thank you so much for joining Hi, us, um, Prof. And um, so we, we obviously called you because of the article that came out this morning. And the reason why we asked you to be on the show, um, especially from, from, from my point of view, is that, yes, we, these stats come up all the time. We see them again and again and again. But many times people aren't, well, people don't know how we end up with these statistics and, and, and how we can say, oh, in this, in this province, this is the prevalence and so on. So I was, I was wondering if you could just talk us through how how we get to these stats. You know, what do we use in South Africa to get to the stats that we share, um, you know, with, 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 with the world? So it's, it's a good question. And South Africa paradoxically has one of the best ways of collecting information. We have different ways of addressing, trying to work out how many people have HIV. Yes. You know, you can't take the whole of Gauteng and test everyone tonight. And yeah, no, you out, can't. Yeah. Which would be the, that would be the best way to do it, you know, and we'd have, um, we've got certain tests that can tell how recently you've been infected or you know, how many people have been infected, how many people are in the window period. But to do that is a massive endeavor. And we do have different ways of doing it, though. We can do the, through a census-based um, approach that the, the Human Science Research Council does, where they go, they use the census and then they go to everyone's door um, in a select population. They say, knock on the door and say, can we test your family for HIV or everyone in that household? And then they, they extrapolate the, from that how, how things are doing. The other way to do it is to go to antenatal sites, which yes. um, the African Deposit Health have done. And then the last way we do it is by actually looking at the guest certificates that are filled in for people to get an idea. So they use those three completely different ways to kind of come to a way of, of working out how, how province is done. And as I, as, as I said at the start, it is actually quite accurate in South Africa as opposed yes. to many other African countries or even places like Europe. We get pretty good numbers. 
Okay. And I mean, I know that our antenatal program in the public sector is very rigorous in making sure that every pregnant woman that presents at a site is, is counseled and offered an HIV test. This isn't always the case in the, in the, in the private sector. And I think, um, you know, we are missing out on the stats in the private sector. No, you're completely correct. And, you know, that's, that's the, in the public sector, in fact, the antenatal in, uh, interventions have meant that we've got the numbers down from 70,000 kids born with HIV every year in 2004 to less than 2,000 at the moment. So that's a major, major victory for the public sector. The private sector, unfortunately, you know, many things around HIV are done less well because they're not as... They don't observe the guidelines as, as closely as the state sector. And unfortunately, there we our numbers actually aren't as... My suspicion is that the interventions there aren't as, as thorough. Mm. So you commented on the article that was that that came out this morning, and you mentioned that um, you know we, we it's not that the the epidemic is worsening. We're doing okay. So so you know delving deeper into that. So we get these stats that come out, and you know one in five South African adults between the ages of fifteen and forty nine is living with HIV, and then the headline was in Johannesburg half a million people are are, are, are HIV positive. Um, and then this research was done by the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. So what do those stats mean? And then they broke it down to, for different provinces as well. So what does that mean for, for us as a country? And, and where are we going, especially in KwaZulu-Natal? So it's important for your listeners to understand when you do a good job, when you treat a disease, any disease, doesn't matter whether it's HIV, diabetes, or hypertension, if you keep somebody long uh, alive, you know, the numbers in the society, the proportion of the overall numbers um, gets, uh, will steadily increase. And with HIV in particular, the treatment is so effective that people's life expectancy um, returns back to normal. So instead of um, 500,000 people dying in South Africa, uh, in Gauteng every year to replace the 500,000 who are entering the system, mm. but most of those people are actually on treatment. So the proportion of people in the society with HIV is steadily going to get bigger. So in the old days, you know, we'd, we'd look at HIV new instant infections. So how many people get HIV tonight as the marker of success? And that, that's getting harder and harder to do for good reason, because we've got such effective therapy. So when people say, oh, we're failing with HIV prevention because the numbers are going up, that's actually not true. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reality of it is we're successful with HIV treatment, and that's making the numbers go up. We may be failing or we may be doing really well with HIV new infections, but those, uh, but to actually get those numbers is actually quite difficult um, as you have a successful treatment program like Gauteng does have. Okay. And so men, as far as I'm concerned, seem to be the forgotten group, Prof. And I'm not sure how we can reach them. I mean, I've, I've spoken many times before about how we can make our, our clinics man-friendly. Man you know, why, why don't we have mobiles going out to the industrial areas where men are working? What are your thoughts around, um, you know, accessing men? How do we get them into the system? You're completely correct. In fact, when you look at the numbers in South Africa, women are doing unbelievably well. We have these magic 90-90-90 targets that are put the country is working towards and the Department of Health is working towards. And we actually reached those 90-90 targets for women years ago, a couple of years ago. For men, it's like a different country. They, they are not getting tested. They're mm. getting late. They fall off treatment more. And I think the reasons are complex, you know, and I would love your listeners to write in and tell us, you know, what their, their thoughts are. But the, the reality is that men really are a problem. The interesting thing about men is that they're a problem not just for HIV, they're a mm. problem for TB, for malaria, for mm. schizophrenia, for whatever you, cancer. Men just tend to come in later. And I think, you know, the anthropologists and the psychologists need to get their heads together and start looking at things. Like you say, just make the services more friendly would be a good starting point. Um, 
men's experience of medical care, you must realize that for many of them, you know, because we live in a very gendered society, women look after kids and they have children, they access contraception. So they actually have experience with, um, with the medical system on an everyday level. Yeah. For men, they often only come in when we, you know, when we stab each other and when we, you know, when we're in a car accident or when we're very, very sick with TB and HIV. That's when we finally come to the medical service. So I think there's a lot of fear and I think a lot of strange psychology that goes on um, in terms of the, the medical system for men. Yeah, yeah, no, there is. And so before we let you go, Prof, the one, the last thing I want to ask, and this is something that I get asked a lot, okay, so I'd like to hear your thoughts around it, but people always ask me, why is the pand- why is the epidemic you know, so 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 high in KwaZulu Natal. What are the reasons around it? And I mean, people have spoken about multiple concurrent partnerships. People have spoken about migrant labour. Um, what are your thoughts around that, Prof Inter? So these are my thoughts. They're not. Yes, yeah, your, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. it's very important. Yes. I don't understand this thing around multiple concurrent partners. You know, people have multiple concurrent partners in France and in London and. You know, in, in Delhi, it's not as if this is specific to our area. A young woman in KwaZulu Natal has a you know, a, 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 a thousandfold greater increase in her chance of having HIV compared to her counterpart in Melbourne or in Argentina. Mm. There has to be something else happening here that is not about sexual behaviors, that's not about um, how people have sex. And I think this obsession with, with, with a lot of this has obscured the fact that there are actually other things. I'm not for a second suggesting that sex is not the reason why people are getting HIV or transmitting HIV. There's something in that that, that is fundamental. But this idea that you know sexual behaviors themselves are driving the epidemic in the southern tip. If you draw a circle around Zambia downwards, 70% of every person with HIV lives in that circle, despite the fact they account for something like 2% of the entire world's population. You can't tell me that there's something about sexual behaviors in such a big chunk of the world that yeah. is so different from the rest of the world. So I think there's other things going on there that relate to people's genetics. In fact, if you go to other areas of Africa, West and East Africa, yeah. particularly West Africa, um, you know, you find HIV rates which are lower than the United States. So it's not an African disease, it's a southern African tip problem. And there's something else happening here that we haven't explained yet. Okay. Well, that's a very interesting thought. And that's the very reason why we had you on the show, because you're always throwing these things that give us something to think about. Mm. Thank you so much, Prof. Fenter. It was great chatting to you. And um, I look forward to having you on the show in future. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that is Professor Franco Fenter from the WRHI, and he gave his thoughts around the um, HIV pandemic in South Africa. We have Ularato on the line, and she has a question for our guest, Utulam Kize. If you've just tuned in, if you're listening to Sidebar Cindy, you can call us on 86 and SMS on 36959. Ularato, good evening, and welcome to the show. Hi, family. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thank you so much for holding. Um, and yes, you have a question for Utula. Yes, and um, I would, firstly, I would like to, to thank you, Sarah Cindy, for the show. And I, I we appreciate people like Utula that really encouraging us. Um, I've been living um, with HIV for 13 years now, and I have a partner of four years that we've been dating. And I am so scared of, of doing it without condom. And um, I was laughing now when they were saying Utula was just... Yeah, yeah, I listen. I'm 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 I'm
love you. I was like, oh my goodness, why am I missing out? Because, you know, my partner doesn't even have kids. And like, I'm always even considering in vitro because I was, I'm so scared. Mm. And I thank oh. you for what you just said now, Butula. You, you just gave me courage. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just going to, we're just going to talk about it and, and leave the in vitro thing, thing because, yeah, no, I feel the good thing selfish. You are somehow. selfish, Lerat. Are you on medication? Yes. And your viral load is, um, is undetectable. It's, but I'm, I feel like I'm scared. And I, you know, like I have this thing that what if I'm infecting him? So, Those what if, they just be. They I just understand. Be. You know what it is, Lerat? Uh, yeah. um, you do... Lerat. Lelato, sorry, I'm I'm I'm, I'm from Kizaren. <laughs> Lelato, um, when I Lelato, what what you do, what you're doing is the the very same thing that we, as people in the space, don't want um, other people to do to us. Um, the stigma yeah. around HIV and all these um, things, because stigma um, really is driven by fear, right? So you you are self-stigmatizing unnecessarily when you are in a position of, um, one, you're empowered. Number two, you have an amazing story. It's been 13 years. How many people can actually, how many people can actually say that? I don't think you understand the power that you have or you've actually really um, jumped in to um, this new version of Ulerato. And, and understand this new version of Fulerato and explore this new version of Fulerato to to its <sighs> limits. And and if you if you continue to self stigmatize, you're gonna be at forty, you're gonna be at sixty, and you haven't lived your life the way that you should have. So oh, please so Yeah. So please go ahead. You are safe. <laughs> viral load is oh, undetectable. You are not going to infect your partner. And this is why we use such platforms to share the U equals U hashtag for, mm. for you to know that you can fall pregnant and have baby after baby after baby. After baby. Like Tula, after baby. Like, and, no, and guys, I'm closing the factory. Can, like, I'm tired of being a godfather. I'm just like, I'm tired. Okay. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I really appreciate him because, like, he's still here. I mean, I think if it was somebody else, would have just gone long time ago with the Imputeris Catechist and, yeah, I mean, I'm from Abantuana. Yeah, Tandalin says. Yeah. I will need a thing, guy. Go for it. Hey, I know. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lerato. Thank you for the call. Cool. Okay, we have Umabato. Umabato is calling us from Johannesburg. Um, hi, Umabato. Thank you so much and welcome to the show. Hi, Professor. How are you? Fine, thank you. Hi, Tula. Oh, hi, Umabato. <laughs> are, are you calling me from Umabato? Wow. <laughs> yes, this is Mabato. <laughs> she didn't get it. Uh, Dr. Sidney, um, I'm so excited, you know, to have you guys, like, all in one room, like my people. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, you can imagine, like, I, I was telling my mom, like, now, because uh, always I've been telling me about Utula and Untogozo, and finally she hears how crazy they are. <laughs> because whenever I attend a good story session, I tell her, yo, you know what, you have to meet these twins. <laughs> So today I was like, no, I'm calling in. So um, I just wanted to have a comment about the the, the U equals to you because I feel that it's one thing that we are not talking about a lot. And people 
don't actually know about it, Dr. Singh. So um, I just wanted to say maybe if we could have more campaigns talking about it, maybe if you could have more TV programs or TV adverts mm. that show people that you can actually live with HIV with an undetectable um, viral load and you cannot transmit the, the, the virus uh, through sex because people don't know about it. The other day, I, I my, my partner was actually reading about it because what he, he saw it on YouTube and yes. he just told me about it and I was like, so this thing is it true. And when he told his friends, his friends were like, no, it can't be true because they don't see it on TV. They, don't mm, they haven't it heard it from another like, platform. Oh, yeah. Yes, you see. So now it felt as if he was just making it up because he's not HIV positive and I'm HIV positive. So yeah. maybe they, he, they thought he's just trying to make something up. So I think that's one thing that we really need to work on, especially um, with with the guys. Uh, uh, the good stories, I remember I was telling uh, both Utula and Togozo at one session that we should try and rotate the sessions, you yeah. know, bring them acres where you find Amajita standing ekonini or mm. just sitting, bring them, you know, because not every guy watches TV at Lavant Lava Salema Pap and they're drinking, you understand. So why can't you go where they are? And you get know, the message and out just them. have Yes, and get somebody who, who looks, who is like, you know, because people have, still have this new to when you are living with HIV, you have to look a certain way. So if they see somebody who looks like, ooh, ooh, tula, you know, and like, oh, guy, oh, guy, oh, hot, but he's oh, living openly with the status. But it's, it, it gets easier for them and go, actually go and test. No, because true. people don't, they always look at the negative side. They, they see, they want to see this person who looks sick or something. But what is, like, Utula is out there. It's not, it's not coming to them. Mm-hmm. So how about we have something like that, like in the townships where you find the ordinary people, like people who are actually dealing with these with yeah. issues. People, people who don't have access to social media, people who don't have access to, to Twitter, Instagram, yeah. Facebook. So we need to, yeah, so we, need, yeah, we definitely need to make mm-hmm. a plan around that. I think the department, yes. the department of Health yes. has a very big role to play um, in, yes. in that going forward. I mean, the U equals U hashtag has been endorsed by the World Health Organization, but you, by UNAIDS, and I think it's up to us to ensure mm. that the message gets out on every platform that it can. Mm. Yes. Mm. I do, though, I do, though, think that um, it needs to be South Africanized. Yeah. You know, because if, as a South African person, if you don't know what undetectable means, then the whole equation doesn't... Well, obviously, I mean, we'll contextualize it. I mean, exactly, and, I mean if you're living you know, with HIV, you'll understand what undetectable means. No, that is, that is a strong well, assumption. Well, no, 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 no. The clinics, that's how the clinics report the viral load. They report it as lower than detectable for everybody. So you have an understanding of what undetectable means. That's how the, that the clinic, the Department of Health clinics report the viral load as, as lower than detectable. So, again, so the word undetectable won't be new to anyone's ears. So then again, it, 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 it won't be new to someone's ears who has been exposed and someone who's, like what like you're saying, the clinics use it, someone who's living with HIV, someone who's not living with HIV might not necessarily understand what that word actually means. Okay, well, I suppose we could always explain it. I mean, you, can't yeah. just, you wouldn't just throw out a hashtag yeah. without the explanation. Of course, we shouldn't. Sidebar with Cindy. Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9.
Okay, so yeah, you listen to Sidebar Cindy, and I'm in studio with Ndogozo and um, Tulam Kizi, the twins. So let's talk about something else that um, I enjoy bringing up whenever we have discussions around um, around living with HIV. Let's talk about the the blesser, the blesser syndrome, and and. Yes. No, we have to go there because you guys spend a lot of time with other guys and we have to have these conversations. Okay. So how have you tackled the topic if you have tackled it with your with your with your fellow men? I'm gonna let the young men talk because <laughs> I have been out of the game for like oh like, yeah. like now everyone's gonna think I'm a blesser. <laughs> um look, the conversations are Okay, so basically we're talking about transactional sex. I think uh, let's just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I'm trying to think who around me is is is, is in the blessing space. Um, I think the problem, I think the the blessed thing, is is a symptom of another problem in okay. my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just again my yeah, these, yeah, these are this is just my thoughts, view yeah, as an old and kids there. So I think it's a it's a symptom of of a bigger problem. It's a it's a it's a, it's someone who. Okay. We need role models okay. as, as a country. And I think in, I've been interacting quite a lot with, with, with young ones over the past two weeks. And generally, people look up to people on Instagram and there's a, there's a mindset of I can just get it very quickly. I think because the, the whole blesser thing is not a new thing. I think it's, it's just been made fashionable now. Right it's, now, it has it has a name. Now it has a name. Now, now the girls that are doing it are, are are living their best lives, and everybody wants to live their best life. There's YOLO. There's FOMO. There's all sorts of things that influence all our kids. That the the people that should be influencing them are no longer doing it. I think our kids no longer have someone. You know, back in the day, you you had a Malum Chablan that you looked up to, mm. and he spoke, and you listened. Malum Chablani right now is probably as well too busy, probably blessing girls um, or whatever it is. And, and it's almost a new generation of, 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 of girls that do things differently. And, and so the older men are just like, oh, wow, those young girls are doing those things. I want to be part of that. So Salama Tata Amadala, that entire thing, and then what's happening now is it becomes fashionable and everybody wants to get into it. Is it an ego thing? Well, we'll see. Well, it could be, but let's 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 just chat to Yvette. We have Yvette on the line, and um, Yvette's an HIV um, um, activist, and she's also living with HIV. And I love her because she's very fiery, fiery. She's got lots, she's got lots of fire. Mm. And the one thing about Yvette that um, that I hold close to my heart is the fact that she was there when um, our, one of our former ministers of health presented at a conference and spoke about be treated. So on. Yvette was there when it happened, and. She's 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 was seen, a while ago. Huh? Yeah, and she's seen all the changes that have happened in our country regarding HIV. So Yvette, Raphael, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're very busy and I'm just happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Cindy, and thanks to your guests. I've been listening on and off. Yes, it's a very interesting conversation that you guys have. Hmm. So Yvette, just you know, quickly tell us about that conference. The conference, the Beatrice conference. <laughs> I, I think it, it it was not even locally. It was in Mexico, and our minister was displaying Beatrice. And it's not it's not by mistake that we are here. We are here with 
more than um, a half a million or a half a million people living with HIV in Gauteng, uh, more than 7.8 million people living in South Af- with HIV in South Africa because of the mistakes of our previous government and the mistakes of the, the, the administration at the time with regards to making decisions, progressive decisions regards to, with regards to taking treatment. Yeah. And just the journey of, of of how far we've come. When you started treatment, um, what was it like and what, did it, what is it like for you now today? Yes, and one of the things, and I always talk to young people or people who are just being diagnosed. Every time when I was diagnosed, I had to take a handful of medication. Uh, I was one of the very few people who started treatment while other people did not have treatment. It yeah. was a comradely decision that, that you carry on start your treatment because you are medical aid, but continue to look after our kids. Some, uh, one of the things that I don't think I'm, I'm able to talk to uh, today, but yes, at, at the time, a lot of people were dying. We were doing homeless care. Mm-hmm. One day, the door is half open, and when you see the food that you left the previous day not taken, it was uh, you knew that the person had died and the family hardly cared to go and check because of how our government and the world spoke about HIV and AIDS at that time. And you've played a very big role in making sure that the myths and the stigma around HIV is, is you know, is, 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 is broken. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a one person at a time thing. But you're very open about your status on social media. You're open. You speak at, on, 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 at conferences. You speak on public platforms. And all you're trying to show us is that you can live a normal, happy life with HIV. Yes, Cindy, and it's, it's also because this is a, a disease that affects us as humans, and it's a human disease. And the way HIV people are talking about HIV is as if when you're HIV, you're HIV positive or you test HIV positive, something about you changes. You're no longer human, you're no longer a mother, you're no longer a sister. And that is what we've been failing to do and why we are at this point that we are with people not accepting their statuses because of how the stigma and and we nowhere close to reach uh, closing the gap on stigma and nowhere because our government is not making progressive decisions the world is moving on with you equals you we are debating whether south africans or people of uh, of the global south understands you equals you meanwhile this was a uh, uh, you know, a paper at a conference in 2006, people living with HIV saw what it means when you're on treatment and you're undetectable. And I keep saying, if you can show me a baby that's the sperm of a sperm-washed baby, then we can talk about, your, uh, you know, reinfections and all of those things. And people have to understand that behind HIV are human beings that need to continue with their lives. And that is what makes the disease continue. People continually infecting each other because of fear and stigma and shame of taking their drugs. Yeah. No, but thank you so much, Yves. I think we still have a lot of work to do. I mean, you saw the stats, the article came out this morning. We have a lot of work to do in KwaZulu-Natal, but we've made progress. I think that's the one thing we can't take away from this. We've made a lot of progress, and you're a living testament of that. Yes, the number of people living with HIV is a victory, but our government needs to continuously be able to give those people treatment so that they don't infect their partners. Our government needs to make pronouncements about you equals you Mm -hmm. speak about the benefits of why people need to take treatment and take treatment early not just shove it down people's throats i need support groups to come back and i hope the department of health are listening these 
uh, adherence clubs are just a farce. Nobody understands them. It's just going to pick up your mess and coming back. However, nobody cares about the human being. What are the things that happened during the six months when you were away? Okay, well, thank you so much, Yvette, and I look forward to having you on the show because we have a lot to talk about. Thank you. Thank you, you, Yvette. Thank you. So our last call on Sidebar Cindy um, will be Sadie Brown. Sadie, thank you, and um, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Cindy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, So, yeah, Sadie, you called in just to tell us something very quick because I'm running out of time about your, your journey with HIV. So I know that you were born with HIV um, and you you found out at the age of 14 that you were living with HIV. Uh Uh-huh. And so how has that, how has your journey been? And then when did you start? Okay, Okay, so I found out at the age of 14 and I started disclosing at the age of 18 using social media because I was a teenager. I wanted to disclose because I felt like we needed to talk more about this thing. So being a young person who didn't really have any other resource, I literally had social media. And I used social media as my platform to start destigmatizing HIV. And the response, um, how has that been, especially from your age mates? Um, the response has been great. Well, yeah, predominantly great. Because sometimes you will get those negative comments here and there. But I really don't like giving much attention on those comments because... They really are not doing anything for us, for me, or the people I'm trying to communicate with. So I don't really give much attention to them. And in terms of dating, Sadie, um, how have you navigated the dating field? Uh, I have not. Well, I've only had one relationship where I got rejected for being HIV positive. And that was really heartbreaking because um, before... Before that particular relationship, I had had people who I'd been in, in relationships with who were just so understanding. So I went through dating feeling like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, people will just accept me. So when I got to meet this person who literally said, no, I cannot be with you because of HIV, it really broke my heart. But it also showed me that people uh, people have preferences. And it's really unfortunate that um, they've made HIV a preference, but it, it, it's life. And you just have to understand that not everyone will be for you. I disclosed very early in the relationship because I personally feel like it's something that we just need to get out of the way. I, I usually do it in the early stages to save both of us the time. Mm, and I, and I, that's commendable. I really admire that about you, Sadie. And, um, and just in closing, um, before we let you go, um, what message do you have for, 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 the, for the youth out there that um, are living with HIV? I think they should understand that living with HIV doesn't anything about you. Because a lot of young people I speak to tend to feel like um, maybe life is over. There's no more life after them testing positive for HIV. So the only thing I keep on putting across is that you can live a normal, healthy, happy life with HIV. There's nothing wrong with you. You are a human being still and you can still achieve everything you want to achieve while living with HIV. Thank you so much, Sadie. Thank you for calling. Thank you so much. Tula, in closing, as we run out of time, what are your closing statements on, on this topic? I think, the, like I said earlier, the conversations need to be specific. They need to reach out to those specific pockets that are that have 
specific problems and specific and you know because it's not the same yeah and and uh, and and, uh, and i think over the last couple of months um with brothers for life and cci we've really traveled and and you really get to see how different um the perspectives are and and it really needs to be specific to the people you know like sadie now has has a different challenge um to she she she's not dating and the other um what what was the lady earlier who was talking mm. about she wants to have babies so the conversations need to, to be, be specific specific okay mm. well thank you so much for that we can find you on twitter on good stories i'm um, at good stories yeah and also on facebook and um thank you so much doors for coming through with your twin you guys look so much alike I'll i be look back. better <laughs> sidebar with cindy every monday to thursday 7 to 8 p.m on kaya fm 95.9 rewinding rewinding kaya fm on fm rewind visit kaya fm.co.za for more